0: hello and welcome to another episode of the film recommendation podcast my name is andrew furlong and of course this is the most consistently inconsistent podcast around um but hopefully that's going to change now and we'll try and do two episodes a month from now on and this episode i will be going through some films i've watched over the last few weeks and hopefully recommending some good movie titles for you to enjoy um So the first film I will be reviewing this week is a film called Francis Ha um, directed by Noah Baumbach who people might know from such films as Greenberg, While We're Young, Margaret at the Wedding and The Squid and the Whale um, the latter of which I hated with a passion quite honestly. In fact had I known that he had directed Francis Ha um, prior to watching it I might have have avoided it entirely to be honest. Um, but one of the reasons why this film works and a big reason why I wanted to watch it in the first place is because of an actress named Greta Gerwig. Um I had watched her in a film called Baghead earlier in the week and I just thought this actress really has something special and I wanted to check out more of her work. And in this film, Frances Ha she is the lead and a co writer. and she's actually married to the director. Um so no better a film to further my education of Greta Gerwig really and in Francis Hash he plays a character I can relate to and I think many people will certainly be able to relate to. Um especially if you're in your mid to late twenties, your career is pretty much non existent and you're floating around with your head in the clouds in a big city, quite honestly and and if Frances' dream is a 10-step programme, um, she's just on step one because she dreams of being a dancer. And while she's close enough to the dream to keep adding fuel to it at least, um, she's an understudy in some production but doesn't really seem to be making much headway at all. And this film really captures what it's like to have all the freedom and lack of responsibility in the world as it presents New York like a very carefree and dreamscape environment at times as Frances seems to be very happy and content in her own bubble Um, but it also at the same time captures what it's like to be cut adrift from society scraping by with very little money not being able to connect with so many uh, people properly while your peers and own age brackets seem to be progressing in the relationships and careers, um, you're stagnating and being blinded by a goal that at this stage might not happen. I mean... This is one of the finest examples of that type of feeling I've ever seen depicted on screen. Um, It's not feeding you the same American dream, glitz and glamour, pursuit of happiness. We are often constantly fed. Um, This is almost a cautionary tale to get your head out of your ass for your own sake, really. Um, But at the same time, it's never judgmental of any of his characters. Um... How time progresses in this movie is a really nice touch too. Um, We never really know how much time has passed, um, but it seems to be depicted through the different apartments and friends' places where Francis seems to be living, at different junctures throughout the movie. Um, So time constantly jumps while Francis' mindset and wandering nature pretty much Ah, uh, stays the same um to be honest i can't recommend this film enough um it went straight into my top 100 movies of all time it's funny realistic a fascinating character study with an absolute fantastic actress in the lead and one of the best soundtracks to a film i've heard in a while um so that is francis ha and check that one out immediately i doubt you will be disappointed The next film I will be reviewing is *The Good Lie*. Yes, hello, Carrie. Pick up who? I'm just supposed to help them find jobs. You must be the guys from uh, Somalia, Senegal, Sudan. Did your luggage come down the chute? Great. Where is your husband? No, I'm not married. I provide for myself. Your survival skills are very impressive. Thanks. I'll call you tomorrow morning, and we'll start the job hunt need your help are there any dangerous animals in this area such as lions (laughs) (laughs) no looking at the poster and the marketing campaigns behind this is scott reese witherspoon pretty much at the forefront in all his advertisements and when you take into account that this story is about a group of sudanese refugees who have a chance to resettle in america and from their own war-torn country and Reese Witherspoon plays a character who is their employment agency counsellor, or, as IMDb puts it, the counsellor who would forever change their lives. Um, You can be forgiven for thinking this is Erin Brockovich territory um, starring Reese Witherspoon instead of Julia Roberts, Um, but it's not, and she takes much more of a back seat than I expected in this, and instead this movie wisely focuses on the four refugee characters and the harshness of their life and circumstances. Um, a good portion of the movie takes place in Sudan as we get to witness firsthand the horrible conditions that they have had to endure. And when they get to America after years of living in a refugee camp, um, this becomes the ultimate and probably one of the most tragic fish out of water tales. I mean, They're so hopelessly out of their depth that um, they spend the whole evening laughing at the joke, why did the chicken cross the road? Um, Because they never heard it before. I mean, one of the refugees asks uh, Reese Witherspoon's character where her village is, um, when it's pretty clear she was born and raised in the city. Um, A lot of genuine comedy uh, moments arise from how much they are out of their depth in this world and... The movie is really good at towing the line between being light-hearted, tragic, really emotional and uplifting all at the same time. Um, it's the kind of movie that really shouldn't work. Um, you can tell it's manipulating you. You can tell it's pulling your emotional strings. It can fall under the category of educating rich white people about important issues that they would never be normally exposed to in their everyday lives at times um the characterization of the african refugees in this can be so broad at times they pretty much could be a refugee bobsleigh team aka cool runnings it, it can feel slightly caricature at times and even though the film did cast actual sudanese actors in the roles um one such actor Emmanuel Jal actually experienced the atrocities firsthand and him and the rest of the actors, Jer uh, Duani and Arnold O'Sang, uh, do a very good job at portraying these characters, um, but it kind of got some of their fish-out-of-water type scenes wrong, occasionally, I thought. Um, but you know what? Having said all that, um, you better have built the Noahs before you watch this movie because there will be a flood of tears i mean this movie isn't perfect by any means um but it's good old-fashioned storytelling similar to something like dallas buyers club 12 years a slave movies like that um the good lie will make you laugh will make you cry it's the type of movie that will probably be universally enjoyed by all um so check that one out for sure that's the good lie Um, the next film I will be having a look at this week is Kung Fu Elliot, um, this is a documentary film starring a guy named Elliot Scott, or White Lightning Scott as he likes to be called, and he plans on becoming Canada's first martial arts action star, and is pretty much obsessed with all these classic action flicks from the 80s and 90s, stuff like Jackie Chan, Jean-Claude Van Damme, um... He has a real genuine love for that kind of cinema. At the same time, he doesn't take it too seriously. He knows those films are highly entertaining, but not necessarily cinematic masterpieces at the same time, although some would argue they are. And I, for one, have a thing for these eccentric, enthusiastic, maybe not the most talented, but certainly make up for that in their passion type of uh, guys. I especially like to see these type of characters in documentaries. I I don't know if I can see a bit of myself in these guys or what. um, But either way, I always find them fascinating. And I think the benchmark for that type of character is uh, Mark Bochart from American Movie, which I guess I'll have to stop mentioning for a while after this episode, since I seem to be doing it every week. Um... But you know, if I suspect that a documentary has a similar type of character at a centre as him, then I'm definitely going to watch it. And if it's about movie making, even better. And this guy Kung Fu Elliot, at least on the surface, seemed like that type of guy. Um, His movies clearly sucked. Um, he seemed somewhat delusional in what he could achieve. Um, but everybody loves a trier and he comes across like a very likeable guy. Um... He has a long-suffering girlfriend that helps him in all his filming endeavours and supports him financially. And Elliot hangs around with equally passionate and eccentric actors who are also pretty lacking in talent as well. Um, There's a whole lot of American movie-like comedy in Kung Fu Elliot too. Um where he's doing his own stunts like jumping through fire or filming a sword fight by a lake only to have children who are playing nearby get in the way of the shot and it's got a lot of stuff like that and then the movie takes a drastic turn and now I'm not going to sit here on this podcast and tell you what happens or ruin the movie for you um because you need to watch it to find out um but this movie takes a direction I didn't expect, and it becomes quite an uncomfortable uh, watch. And it will really make you reevaluate Elliot as a man, as a karate champion, and really make you wonder how deluded and and why he even agreed to the documentary in the first place. Quite honestly, um, but it's certainly a unique documentary and a recommendation. It's it's, it's a very good uh watch. The next film I will be looking at this week is Terminator Genesis. My whole life I prepared my son to lead humanity in the fight against the machines. On this night we take back our world. But there was one thing I could never prepare him for. The machines tried to rig the game. Send a Terminator back to the time before the war to kill my mother. I'll go back. Let me save her. Now, I have a fairly open mind when it comes to reboots and stuff like that. Um, In general, I don't have a problem with them, no matter what kind of changes they make. If it's done for the good of the movie, then all can be excused. Um, I'm not the type to cry about stuff from my generation being changed, and oh, they changed this and that. I, I don't mind, as long as they never remake Back to the Future starring Justin Bieber, we are cool. And... After all, Terminator 2 was essentially a reboot of Terminator 1 in many ways. It's got the same film beats. A lot of the chases happen at the same time. I think both movies even end in some sort of factory. Um, They flipped the first one by making Annie uh, the good guy in the second one. I bet at the the time people were probably complaining. Complaining about that also. Um so move with the times or change the timeline, as I always say, or at least I'll start saying from now on. Um anyway, um Terminator Genesis is an absolute mess of a movie. I I wasn't even too hard on Terminator 3, um, but this one is inexcusable. Um, first of all, let's talk about the casting. Um emilia Clark, aka Khaleesi uh can't act full stop. Um Let's not confuse a powerful character in something like Game of Thrones for a powerful actor and taking over from Linda Hamilton who played Sarah Connor last time um, is always going to be hard but I'm convinced Amelia Clarke doesn't have a clue how to act. Um, her only acting credit before Game of Thrones was the BBC show Doctors and that is her level. Absolutely awful actress. Um... Which moves me on to the other lead who plays Kyle Reese, played by um Jai Courtney, um aka Bruce Willis's son in Die Hard Five. I mean, casting these two alone is sure to kill any franchise. I mean, you would find more chemistry in a fifth century monastery in the dark ages than between these two leads. And when you're being out acted by Ernst Washnegger, who is actually playing a robot, um, you know you're in trouble. Um Both of them should be taken out back and terminated. Um, So that's all I'll say about that. Um, But you know, Annie himself is very good in this. I mean, this is the role he was born to play. And if you are an Annie fan, which I am, um, this is the one saving grace of this movie. Um, This is probably the best he's been on screen in a long time. And... Actually the Terminator in this is the closest thing in this mess of a movie um to the emotional heart of the story and the most interesting character which is a problem in itself. I mean as if the opening twenty minutes of exposition in this movie isn't bad enough, um we find out stuff like in this reboot, um Sarah Connor was raised by a Terminator since she was nine, oh yes, and Annie's character in this movie is referred to as "wait for it," wait for it, as pops, as in short for father. Um, there's just some stuff you don't do, and that's one of them. Um, the whole thing is ridiculous, overcomplicated, and worst of all, not in the least bit entertaining. If you don't count Annie doing his best, um. This is not a recommendation and a big, big letdown. Um, they're going to make two more movies um, before the movie rights go back to James Cameron in 2018, um, which is the only glimmer of hope I can give for the future of the franchise. I mean, a future with Skynet seems more brighter at this stage. Um, so that is Terminator Genesis, and don't waste your money, honestly. Right, um... The final film I will be reviewing this week is Locke, um, starring Tom Hardy and nobody else but Tom Hardy really, um, which isn't a problem for me because Tom Hardy is one of the finest actors of this generation, if not any generation and I don't think it's hyperbole to say this at all and I honestly do believe if any human being on the planet is capable of reaching the level of Daniel Day-Lewis, um, it's this man right here. And Anybody who knows the actor's pyramid, um, it goes Daniel DeLewis, lewis followed by everybody else. So, that is probably the highest praise I can bestow on any actor, really. And I cannot wait to see Tom Hardy, um, playing the Cray twins in the upcoming movie Legend. Um, we get two Tom Hardys for the price of one and that, um, but anyway, um, Locke takes place in a car for the whole movie, literally, um, as Locke, um the character he plays, um, leaves the construction site and heads to an unknown destination um in England. Um, um the destination is eventually revealed through a series of phone calls he takes throughout the night. Um it's the buried of family dramas, if you will. Um but instead of having Ryan Reynolds trapped in a coffin like in that movie, um, we have a masterful performance by Hardy um playing a composed, reliable good man. On the one night where his whole life and everything he worked for, his entire life, um, goes to absolutely hell, and Tom Hardy wears all these stakes on his facial expressions alone, as more of his life begins to unravel, and he slowly starts to crack and become, and becomes aware of the seriousness of this situation, and and his situation isn't anything high concept, and um, the subjects dealt with, you pretty much find on any episode of EastEnders um, and it's how it's handled in this uh, makes you get more interested with every phone call that he takes. Um, there isn't a whole lot of resolution in this film also, um, it's more of a snapshot as possibly one of the worst days of his life as I said, um, made all the more compelling by Hardy's performance. Um, the film pretty much plays out in real time too, um, which adds to the suspense of the story and it's definitely a recommendation for me also so check that one out that is Locke starring Tom Hardy and um, that's pretty much it for this week um join me for another episode in July um where I'll be uh reviewing some more movies um for your viewing pleasure I suppose